everybody. Welcome back to Negro Please Radio. I'm your host, Chris Allen. And as usual, I want to take the time off out to thank each and every last one of you guys for tuning in, downloading, uh, streaming, uh, however you want to say it. Thank you for being here. I appreciate it. And we are back. It is Wednesday. May the force be with you, nerds. Uh, I'm not a big Star Wars guy. I like it, but I'm not like a, I can't, I can, I cannot say that I know anything about Star Wars. So if that's your thing, happy of May the 4th. I don't know. Um, <clears throat> I guess I'll just jump right in. For those who don't know, we have a nine-year-old son. His name is Miles. And I like to talk about the different things that are going on in his life. Sometimes it's big. Sometimes it's small. Sometimes it's nothing. Uh, for the second week in a row and many other previous weeks, I'm a proud dad. Uh, he took a, um, I think it's called like a standard of learning test uh, for the uh, Virginia history. Uh, he was sick a couple of weeks ago and he missed an entire week. And, you know, we were able to get him caught up. He took it yesterday and he passed even the advanced portions of that test. He, I picked him up yesterday and he was just beaming with confidence and pride. Beaming. He w- he's been doing really well lately. Really well. Um, you know. Uh, I'm, I'm, we let him know that we're really proud of him. And uh, he's on the tail end of the fourth, fourth grade. It, it's going by so fast. Uh, I mean, one more year in elementary school and we'll have a middle schooler. You know, that's pretty pretty crazy. And three years after that, we'll have a high schooler. Uh, we're just really proud of his progress. Um, you know, I've made some progress as a father and a husband as a person. But I'm really proud of my little boy, man. He he um, He's had to overcome quite a bit. And um, I'm proud of him. But, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm still working on myself, you know, just just trying to be better, trying to learn, just trying to give him everything that he needs to be uh, successful and um, and a productive person and, and, and someone that, that people can have meaningful and truthful and, and good relationships with. That's that's the biggest thing. Um, you know what I was thinking about? And I. To a degree, I was one of these people when when people say like, um, we need to stop telling our kids they can be whatever they want to be, and I used to be, I used to think that way too, you know. You, you when you're like uh, when you're in your mid to late twenties, thirties, you, you get that weird kind of jaded uh, point of view on things sometimes. And uh, I was watching, um, it was some culinary show. I can't remember what it was. I'm very sorry, I don't remember. But there was this guy, American dude, white dude. Uh, oh, what was it? But he moved to Japan and started making ramen. You know, and I know it sounds weird, but in the culinary world, uh, that's their thing. You know, that, that's another thing. Like, people who make ethnic foods, they will come to America and they go, hey, I want to start an Ethiopian restaurant, Cambodian, uh, Thai, I'm going to America. But to hear of a white dude going to um, Asia to make Asian food is very odd. You know what? And it might be more commonplace that I than I realize. But um, yeah, it was just odd. And I say all that to say, this guy worked his ass off. He he really loved all that you know the uh, culinary arts, and he slowly worked his way up, and has one of the top ramen sh- shops in uh, Japan. He's very well respected within the culinary community and i go i was watching that thinking like oh this could also mean you could be anything you want to be for some reason in america when we hear that you could be anything you want to be we always think of like uh just some 
celebrity status or being famous or being filthy rich. That, that's not really what it means. You know, like that guy wanted to go to Japan and be one of the best ramen makers. Uh, and he did. And uh, that really opened my eyes to what that can really mean. And I, and I told him I was recently, you know, you can be anything you want to be. I was like, man, you can move to another country and, and be a chef. You can move, um, you know, and if you want to go teach English or you just want to go live in fucking Finland, I'm, I'm just making shit up. You want to move back to Africa. You can, you can do anything. You, you really can. But for some reason we think of these super exclusive uh, 1%, 1% celebrity famous, you know, paparazzi around. And that's, that's not the case. I, I, I don't know why our mind automatically goes there, you know, or you could be president. It's just like, okay, but uh, yeah, you really, you really can, you know, Based on your aptitude, all right. You can be anything you want to be. It, we need to stop with this movie star, athlete, president shit. You can be anything you want to fucking be. You want to go to Mexico, and uh, I mean, open up a fucking bait shop. You can do that shit. There you go. Learn Spanish. Want to be a tour guide in France? Go ahead and do that. You know, you want to move back to the motherland. Get you a thick African chick and move out into the bush. You can do that. You can do anything you want to do. But uh, it's been an interesting couple of days. I, I guess I'll just jump right into this portion of it. But um, uh, fucking shorts. All right. So apparently Dave Chappelle, not even apparently, Dave Chappelle was attacked last night uh, at a performance at the Hollywood Bowl in L.A. Um, man. And this dude got his motherfucking ass whooped. Apparently, Jamie Foxx was involved. Uh, could you imagine getting your ass whooped by Wanda? <laughs> but Jamie Foxx looks like, looks like a pretty in-shape dude. Um, yeah, I, I just it's just dumb, man. People really need to stop this shit. People really need to stop. You're seeing it at basketball games, football games, soccer, soccer matches. Uh, people really just think they can do and say what they want to do, man. It's just... Uh, I, you know what? I'm not going to be one of these people and blame the internet because people have been doing this kind of stuff since the beginning of it all. But it seems like it used to be a little bit more fun. Uh, now it, it seems uh, uh, a lot more dangerous. I really think it's because the country is, is kind of divided. Uh, a lot of people are on edge. And when it comes to who it is. But uh, it, it it just needs to stop, man. People want to make these points at these public events, man, and, and it just it really needs to to stop. And no, I'm not worried about being attacked. Um, that that doesn't bother me. But it, just the fact that people really think that they can just do whatever the fuck they want to do, and just interrupt public performances, shit that people have paid for, it's just uh, it's, it's pretty wild. The, the sense of entitlement, and just if you don't like something, but why even go? I I don't I don't get it. It, it makes no sense to me. Why even go and interrupt some shit like that, man? It's just, it, it ruins live performances for people. I mean, take the NBA. What other sport can you really get that close to the players, to the action? You know, I remember back in the day when they had to put up the little the little tarp thing to lead back into the tunnels because things had gotten out of hand uh, at, at one point. It, it's just, it's, I I love sports, and I especially love sports where you can be close to the action. There, there's nothing like it. And I, I think this type of behavior puts that in jeopardy. 
You know, we we just got to stop this shit, man. It's, it's, it's fucking ridiculous. And, and it doesn't really solve anything. It just makes it worse for the people who like the sport, who actually enjoy going. Um, I want to get into uh, Ozark, but I, I want to put it off a little bit. Um, so speaking of sports, I am I'm loving the NBA playoffs. Uh, Look, I've been running myself ragged lately. I didn't get to watch the Memphis game. I really wanted to. I watched the highlights, man. And John Morant is, is something special, man. And that that series is is turning into a, a into a fun a fun watch. And people are calling these ejections and and and, and uh, flagrant calls soft. Look, I get it, man. It's it's not the eighties and nineties anymore. Um, I like the horror file files. I I, I understand. These referees don't want it to get out of hand. Um, I, I just think with social media, people talking shit, I, I think, again, the country's divided. What does that really have to do with the NBA? Not much, but people, I think everybody's resting, for lack of a better term, everybody's resting heart rate is a little bit higher, you know, with everything going on. And with social media, people talking shit, tweeting, all this kind of stuff, people are just a little bit more on edge. So I... I understand why these referees want to call it tight. The Brooks foul was it a, was was it a, was it a dirty play? I don't think it was dirty. Was it a hard foul? Fuck yeah, it was a hard foul. Um, do I think he should be should he should he have been ejected? I don't think so, but I understand why they 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 ejected they ejected your boy Green last game for what he did, and based on that precedent, they had to. They had to uh, eject him. And this is what I love about the NBA playoffs is the stories that develop through each series. There's a, it's just, it gets, the tension gets ratcheted up higher and higher with each game. Um, and they start calling the games a little bit tighter because emotions start to run high. And these are big dudes. There's a, there's a lot of money involved. People don't need to get hurt. People really don't need to be fighting. Um, because, look, I play sports not on any type of fucking college level, but I played a lot of basketball. And there's going to be heated exchanges anyway. But now you're talking about a bunch of dudes with egos, money. Like I said, they're talking shit online. They're, people are reading into things. And we got we to gotta control it. We got to realize that all of, all of this goes into the equation. This is all part of the calculus. It's all part of it. The referees, they even take that shit into consideration. I know people are like, what the fuck? They take it all into consideration. That's why I love this shit, man. It's just not one game. They're looking at everything. You cross somebody up, you know, you, you embarrassed them, you dunked on somebody, uh, you, you got to stop. So whatever it is, these players are human. They don't forget. He ripped me. He stole the ball from me. He dunked on me. Uh, he elbowed me. All, we remember all that shit. And it can get out of hand. Like I was saying, it gets out of hand at the Y at any gym. But when there's history, it, it can ratchet up even faster. So I, I totally understand. And I know this is a long-winded thing. I, I get it. If you don't like sports, hey. It's uh I, and and the thing is, I don't think I don't think the players are soft. I I, I really don't. You know, people talk all this shit about the 80s. Oh, the back in the day, the 80s, they were. 
look, man, the 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 athletic ability of the average NBA player back then and now, it's not even close. Not even close. It's a different game. It's way more athletic. It's way faster. It's higher. It's more. It's it's a lot more complicated. Uh, times have changed, you know. And you're you're talking about way more money, way more money, way more money. You're, you're talking tens of millions of dollars a year. All right. So people are being careful. And, and that's the thing, too, that bothers, bothers me. Oh, these players are soft. But when they get hurt and you bought a ticket and they're not playing, you're fucking pissed off. You're mad. I want to see a good game, man. I don't want to see motherfuckers just fighting. Now, I, I don't get me wrong. I, fuck, I love a hard foul. I love jaw jacking. I love people talking shit. I absolutely love it. I love when a game gets physical. I love it, but I, I I can't call the referee soft. Um, it's just in these series they they want to control. Um, they they want to keep it under control. It, it can get out of hand. We we saw what happened in um and uh at the malice at the palace years ago. Again, I know I understand that's a very isolated incident, but you're talking about very very ego driven people. People talking shit on social media. So all right, I don't I I beat that dead horse to death. Just like they beat the shit out of that dude at the uh, Hollywood uh, out in L.A. at the Hollywood Bowl, I believe. But uh, I'm I'm loving the NBA NBA uh, playoffs, man. I, I I don't think things are soft. They set a precedent, and they got they have to just abide by that precedent that they set with Draymond Green. They had they had to eject um, uh, Brooks. It happens. But I, I like all the shit talking. John Morant is fucking something special. Uh, to me, he's like a Iverson 2.0. I, I, I really enjoyed watching that dude play. Uh, it's a lot of fun, man. His his left hand is nasty, man. That little scoop layup he does. Ugh, I, I wish I had that move. I'm 42, and I was like, I wish I could do that. That looks so dope, the little left hand scoop layup. Did it all game, and it didn't fall in game one. Ugh. But I'm actually feeling pretty good, man. I got a full night's sleep. I went to bed at 10, so... Uh, if I'm a little more animated, that's what it is. I, I, sleep underrated. I got. I said that two weeks in a row. Underrated. I, I need to start taking care of myself better and, and getting some sleep, man. This three hours a night is, is killing me. Um, I saw this this morning. Uh, Stone Mountain Park. I don't know the actual name of it, but it's in Atlanta, uh, in the surrounding area of uh, outside of Atlanta, and the a group of people are doing a uh, Confederate memorial, which is. That's fine. They can do whatever they want to do. And there's a guy there, big-ass AR-15, scope on it. It's got the bipod. It looks like a, a recce setup. But uh, And there's a the group of counter-protesters that are being held back by a barrier. And there's uh, police there as well. And the guy with the AR kind of walks over. But they're pretty far apart. I would say at least 100 feet apart. They're pretty far. But he's, you know, they're talking shit to, to, to the uh, memorial people. He's talking shit to them. And just, I, I hate that shit. And y'all know me. I'm a gun guy. I have an AR-15. I believe that people should have the right to have guns. I, I don't believe in restrictions and all that kind of shit. Um, but I'm I'm not a guy who believes in bringing a weapon to something like that. Not, as we saw with Kyle Rittenhouse, nothing really good becomes of it. All right? I, I really haven't seen any uh, a situation where someone brought a weapon like that and actually got to protect anybody. It's too intimidating. And a lot of people who are two-way supporters, they're always, whenever they talk about gun attacks and, 
you know, mass shootings, they always talk about, oh, these these people, they they the cowards, they only go where people don't have weapons. They go to a mall, they go to a school. Well, guess what? The people who show up to these events, they do the same thing. They show up to mosques armed. They show up to these protests armed because they know the other side really is they're they're not gonna be armed. That's the kind of people that do that. People that know that no one else is going to be there with a gun. It's it's a weak pussy ass move. It's shitty. Yeah, and, and the fact that you're standing there trying to look tough, it's like, dude, you have a weapon strapped across your chest. Of course you can talk shit. Of course you can talk shit. But here's the thing. Say the police walk away and they go, you know what? Y'all handle this shit. Yeah, you might be able to get 30 rounds off, but you're talking about a, a wave of hundreds of people coming at you. How long do you think that shit's really going to fucking last? You might pop off half the magazine before you start running. I, I just I just feel if when you take weapons, guns to, to protest and thing, uh, uh, things of that nature, that type of protest, or that subject matter, not, you're, you're looking for trouble. You're looking for trouble. Nothing good can can come of it. Nothing. Nothing, nothing good can happen, man. And, and and I'm all for people carrying guns and protecting themselves and all that type of shit. I, I really am. But in these situations, you're not you're looking for nothing but trouble. Nothing. And I, I don't understand why people haven't seen seen the trends. N- nothing good happens at all. It, it's, it's, it's not it's not worth it, man. It's really not. But um, all right. So I finally finished Ozark. And I gotta say, I absolutely loved it. I, I I really really loved it. And the um, because they broke they broke the last season into two parts, and the premiere episode of part two, they play a ton of Illmatic on that episode. If you don't know, Illmatic is Nas's first album, in my opinion. Um. It is the greatest hip hop album of all time, um, and I, I would say it's objectively one of the best, if not top five, uh, hip hop albums of all time. Not, not only my favorite, but I think uh, most, if not all, true fans of hip hop will have that in their top five. Okay, if not top five, depending on how old you are, where you grew up, it's gonna be top ten. But just, I, I man, they, my mind was blown. I, I absolutely love that album. Um, I'm trying to think how to say it. I, I got some, I got some notes here. I, I, I can't say. Excuse me. I can't say. It's the first album that I understood. Um, I want to say I think reasonable, but reasonable doubt came out before, but it was just it was just one of those albums that like I rem- it was the first time I, re- I I can clearly remember sitting down with my boys and just listening to every song, breaking the lyrics down, and uh, it just I was consumed with that album. I was consumed with that album. You know, I, I'll say this. It was the first album that I wasn't heavily influenced by everybody else. Like, my cousin really got me into um, hip-hop 
and he was like, "Yo, you gotta check out Nas. I like like I like Jay Z and all that kind of stuff." But and that, that album is great too. One of the greatest, if not, yeah, probably top five. Reason reasonable doubt was probably top five. One of the top five hip hop albums of all time. Now that might be um, subjective for people, but um, I got into Jay Z because all my friends liked it. And great, but this was something that was a little bit more personal. This sounds silly, but Nasir Jones. He has my last name. I was like, holy shit, that's cool. I'm like 14, so all this shit is, is dope to me. You know, just having that close connection. Uh, let me let me just double check. And I, you know, I need to slow down. If you're listening to my podcast, you want to hear me talk. So let me, let me just slow down. 1994, yes. 1994. Wait, wait, let me see. When did uh, Reasonable Doubt come out? Reasonable... So you know what? I might be yeah, here we go. I might be wrong. Jay Z. One second. Ninety six. Okay, I don't know why I had that flipped in my mind. So, yes, Nas was the first rap album that I understood, and I immediately recognized at fourteen. I was like, "This dude is a fucking poet." Uh, it was the most relatable album that came out and relatable in the sense of like, I knew that environment. I had friends that lived that lifestyle. All the pictures that he was, that he painted with his words were, I saw, I understood the lingo. I knew, I knew all that stuff. And it just, it really resonated with me. You know, the fact that we had the same last name, it's just the, the beats, all that, all, all of it, everything. I, I absolutely love that album. And to see it on the show, I felt like they did a great job. Um, they showed it nothing but respect. And I'm hoping that uh, people who like the show uh, were curious, like, oh, what is this? Who is this? And they went back and listened because it, it truly is a masterpiece. It is a, it's a work of art. That is a 20-year-old guy painting the picture of the world that he is in and lived in and the shit he's seen, the shit he's done. And listening to the pain and the and and how he describes the world around him, how he feels about things, how he how he loves, how he hates the the um the loss that he's experienced, the the uh, the violence that he's experienced, it's all in there. This is a twenty year old kid, a twenty year old kid. I mean, just just listening to the stuff that you that he says, you would think that this guy had lived 40, 50 years. And uh, it, it, it's a it's a great album from from front to back. I mean, I absolutely I remember hearing it the first time, and I absolutely fell in love with it. I I, I feel like Ozark is, is one of my favorite shows in the last five years. It's so well written, so well well done. Yes, you have to dispend a lot of disbelief, but it's it's well written, well acted. The cinematography is absolutely great. It's scored great, and Illmatic was the icing on the cake for me. Absolutely loved it. Um. Man, I, I just I, there were times I was getting a little teary eyed. It just really brought me back to growing up in Rochester. Um, and I used to play ball at my man Daryl's house all the time. He had a bigger back, big, bigger back um, backyard, a bigger driveway. And what we would do was we would move the radio from on top of the refrigerator and put the speakers in the window. And this is when like DVD, not DVDs, but CDs and stuff were new. And we would just load up the, um, we would load up the five disc changer or three disc changer 
put in some Wu-Tang, put in some Nas, put in whatever. And we would just have our friends come over and we would just be in the backyard all day listening to the latest rap, latest hip hop, latest mixtape and just play ball. Like that's my that's my childhood. That was, that, that was my teenage years. Basketball and rap. And, 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 and peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. Because we would hoop, get tired, come in. And shout out to Mrs. Heath, man, because we would have three, four growing young men in her house. She's a single mom, right? And we would just go in, uh, in her house and just eat her entire loaf of bread. All of her um, uh, peanut butter and jelly. You know, she had a good job, but still, that's not her job to feed three other growing, you know, almost men. But here I am, older, looking back and realizing, like, you know what? Yeah, she might have been a little pissed. Like, you know what? I just bought this motherfucking bread. But she go to to know that my son and his friends were safe in the backyard playing basketball, and they came into the house and they ate sandwiches. I think for most parents and adults, they're okay with that. That's That's a price they're willing to pay. That the boys are coming in and eating fucking peanut butter and jelly sandwiches, breaking down rap, rap, rap lyrics. We're not out selling dope. We're not out causing trouble, breaking shit, doing whatever. It's innocent, young, uh, young fun. And hey, niggas is hungry. But um, man, it was it was it was great, man. It's just Illmatic really, really um had an impact on me. And you're like, how you, you couldn't even remember? Shit, time goes by. But I just remember being 14 and just and just being blown away at this at this man's ability to uh, describe the world around him. Um, yeah, to dope ass beats, made it, yeah, just fantastic. Um, but the show was so good, I actually went back and I watched the pilot. There's so much stuff we forget, and no, I'm not gonna spoil anything at all, but. The last scene before I went black, uh, I didn't realize the significance of it until I went back and watched the beginning. There's a storyline with Wendy that I had kind of totally forgot about that also came full circle in that last season. And uh, I don't think I would have picked up on it if I hadn't gone back and my plan was really to just to go back and watch the pilot because I love any great show. I, whenever it ends, I like to go back and watch the pilot to remember where it came from. And uh, I got hooked again. I'm on episode nine already. Um, but uh, yeah, Ozark, great show. Jason Bateman, that's the only person's name I know, but he was fucking fantastic. The woman who played Wendy, every, everybody was great. I can't say I didn't just, I can't say I disliked anybody. But I think I mentioned before, um, I think his name is Joe Sakura. He was also on um, Power, the white guy. Not the strongest actor. I would say, for me, it was probably the weakest link, but he did not hurt the show. And, and that's just because, uh, you know, I, I don't think his acting, acting is great on uh, Power. So I kinda, I'm, I'm a little biased. But the, the guy who came in and played her brother uh, in the previous season, he, in my opinion, he stole that entire season. I don't know that guy's name, but uh, you know, let me look it up. I'll give him some props. Look it up. When who played Wendy Bird's brother? But that that guy, 
And I'll get out of here. Wendy Bird's brother. Wendy. There's, it, it was fun, too, watching uh, social media, how many people are like, I fucking hate Wendy. I fucking hate her. I fucking hate Wendy. I hate her to a degree. But honestly, man, I, I like those cold women like that, man. Uh, her and Ruth. Ruth Langmore, easily one of my favorite TV characters of all time. See what that actress so great, so great. Oh, okay. Let's see. He was played by what's his name? Portrayed by Tom Pelfrey. Great. Tom Profi, who played her brother Ben. Absolutely amazing actor. Um, let's see, Ruth. I don't even know her name. Ruth Langmore. Her name is Julia Garner. Fantastic actor. Absolutely love, love her, man. So good. So well casted. Uh, I know I'm sucking this show's dick, but I absolutely loved it. If you haven't watched it, I highly recommend it. Now, if you're more of a um, because I have friends who are very uh um What's the word I'm looking for? Like my buddy Jason. <laughs> He's too straightforward. Like things have to be too, things have to be too realistic for him. But he does like fantasy shit. Like for him, my buddy, it's either it either has to be um, set in a fantasy world or it's going to be in the real world. And he can take a little bit of shit. Like, okay, I can kind of get over that. That that would never happen. But like a show like Ozark, where it's just drama, 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 ratcheted up drama, uh, he he could not do that because yes, you do have to suspend disbelief uh, with with this show quite a bit. But uh, the, like I said, the, the writing is is fucking fantastic. I, I, when I I watch this show and I'm like, how do you write some shit like this? But I'm rambling at this point. I've said things ten times. So there's a show. That's a show. I'm, I'm excited, man. I, I feel like my comedy career is starting to take a little bit of a turn. Uh, I got some headlining dates coming up. Uh, July 8th, I will be back in Rochester at the Carlson, the Rickles Room, the Small Room. I got a bunch of my friends on that show. Um, September 23rd and 24th, I'm going to be out in St. Louis at the at the Helium doing the garage. Their small room It's a 50-seat room. So if you happen to listen, you're in St. Louis, come on out to that show in September. I know it's a ways away. And then in, I want to say, December or November. But in this, this, this winter or early this fall, let me check. No, December. Yes, this winter, no, uh, December 9th and 10th, I'll be out in Denver. Uh, I'll be doing... Uh, the comedy lounge out there. I'm excited. So I'm, I'm starting to headline on my own, some smaller rooms, some, you know, and uh, I'm very appreciative. I'm, I'm very thankful. And I'm looking forward to, to um, slowly working my way uh, from underneath the wing of, 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 of uh, more well-known comics. So I'm really appreciative to all the work and exposure that they give me, but uh, it's time for this baby bird to start really flying on his own. You know, that doesn't mean I'm not going to need any help, that I won't be opening for people, but I'm definitely going to focus on trying to do uh, more updates on my own. 
and um, building my own thing. So thank you to everybody who listens to the podcast. Make sure you guys follow me on all things social media at Chris Allen Comedy. Follow me on YouTube, but I need to get to a thousand followers or subscribers soon so I can start trying to monetize this uh, bad boy. And uh, yeah, everybody have a great rest rest of the week, and I'll see you next Wednesday. I'm out. Peace. <laughs>